having you know my background. Yep, I know your background. So you, you know I'm sitting here thinking. Yep. And wondering. It's um, and and I don't hold that against you. No. I, and let me say this too, as everybody's tuning into the podcast too. Uh, there's a lot of people that believe you can lose your salvation, and I don't look down on a person who believes that or thinks they can. Because a lot of times I have learned if a person thinks they can lose their salvation, they're going to put forth every effort to live closer to Christ than those who may not think you can lose your salvation. All right. So what are you saying? They truly wasn't saved to start with? If a person, if a person, let me see how I can say this to make it make sense. I know I was. All right. If a person, let me, the easiest way to put it, if a person is genuinely, truly, sincerely saved, they cannot lose their salvation. They are secure in Christ. That's the verses that we'll look at um, this morning. They are secure in Christ. Now, I was approached uh, last week, someone throwed a set of verses on Cameron and Nathan that we will look at next week. It's one of the deepest passages that, that people take out of context that believe you can lose your salvation. It's taken out of totally out of context. I studied it all last Sunday evening for hours because um, I want to make sure I had it right. So what scripture says that you are truly saved? But let me tell you this first. Sure. All right. I, I, this is my belief. I believe I backslid because I've done some pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, all, pretty terrible things once yeah. I backslid. And then I met Manny and years, years later, and we, we lived together. But I will say truly, back in my mind, I kept saying, uh, I need to go to church. I need to get right. I, I can't live together. Then the man, the man said, I'm going to marry you so you think you can go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that was deep down in my mind the whole time. And I thought about Christ and I prayed. And so all that stuff come to me all the time. So was it that or what? It, it was probably the Holy Spirit showing you deep down inside, hey, you're not doing right. You, uh, need, to, you need to get back to where you need to be. Yeah. It, it's coming. It's, it's <laughs> Honestly, I say it again. If a person is genuinely, truly, sincerely saved, they cannot lose their salvation. And you said you wanted some verses, and that's what we're going to look at today. But next week we'll go a little next week we'll go a little bit deeper into some passages where people think that they can lose their salvation. But I don't look down on nobody who was taught that way or brought up that way. Because we are the person that we grew up that's why the government, that's why the teachers, that's why the school systems are after our kids. Because if you can brainwash them and teach them false doctrine as they get older, they're going to believe that all of their life. And so we've got people here at our church who's been here for years, good, faithful Christians who I believe 100% are truly saved that feel that they can lose their salvation because of the way they were taught. I do not look down on them. And this is what I would say. Um, They're probably harder on themselves than what they need to be because they are putting undue pressure on themselves. Well, I think that's what Pentecostal taught. Yes, it is. Because if you do something, you... The Pentecostal holiness. Yep, yeah, absolutely. The holiness. I mean, I couldn't couldn't do anything like that. Well, there's an element of fear there. There's an element of fear there. There's an element of fear there. Okay, 
uh, if I'm saved and I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, I'm good with God. But what happens if I make a mistake? If I don't get it right in time, I, I, I might miss heaven. That is, that is putting undue pressure on yourself. It'd be like the same thing with your mom and dad. Uh, now, I don't know all of y'all's backgrounds and your mom and dad's, but I had a good family. Um, and I hope and pray y'all did. A mom and dad who loved me. Now, did I disappoint my parents? Sure I did from time to time because I'm human. But I never had to worry about, are they going to stop loving me because I got a speeding ticket? Are they going to start loving me because I failed a class? Because I come pretty doggone close a few times. Uh, And you're secure in your parents' love. Well, we should be secure in our father's love. Now, the greatest thing that people look at us Baptists, they call you arrogant. And they say, well, if you're once saved, always saved, you could go out and sin and do anything you want to and you get away with it. No, that's not true salvation. True salvation, you don't want to go do anything that you, that you want to do. You don't want to go back and, and uh, uh, live, live a lifestyle that the Lord brought you out of. You're so thankful. What's the old song? Uh, I love him because he first loved me. Okay, we love the Lord Jesus Christ because we see how much he loved us. Um, so let's dive into it today. I want to show you some verses. And as we will look next week when I talk about that passage, um, remember, context, 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 context. You've got to take everything. You've got to take Scripture in whole, not just a part. You can pull a verse out of the middle of nowhere and try to build a false doctrine upon it. I, I've always said this. The Bible said, you know, you got that one verse where it said Judas hung himself. Then you got another piece of a verse where later Jesus says, go and do likewise. If you take two halves of those verses and pull it out in the middle, you could say Judas hung himself and Jesus said, go and do likewise. You know, you cannot take it out of context. And that's why the media is so horrible today is they, they take stuff out of context and make you say what they want you to say. All right, so you've got to understand it's a whole. And so this morning, we've got four different passages. Um, first of all, we see we cannot lose our salvation as seen in Jesus' supplication. John seventeen twelve. While, while, while I was Now, this is truly the Lord's Prayer, by the way. If y'all want to know what the Lord's Prayer really is, here it is, John 17. This is the prayer of Jesus recorded by John in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, John says, while I was with them in the world, and Jesus is praying to God the Father, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. None of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. So Jesus is saying, God, everybody you've given me, I have kept. I have lost none of them. But he said, except the son of perdition. Now, who is that talking about? It's talking about Judas Iscariot. The, um, the, the word perdition means destruction. Judas was never saved to begin with. Now, people thought he was because he ran with Jesus. He heard Jesus' teaching. He even had a position with them. He was the treasurer. But Judas was never saved to begin with. So the world thinks that they lost Judas, but Judas was marked out for destruction to begin with. That the scripture might be fulfilled. So what does Jesus say? I've kept them. The word kept in the Greek means I have guarded them. I have surrounded them. I've guarded them. I've protected them. We think so much 
that we're holding on to God and nothing could be opposite than the truth. He is holding on to us. Because if my salvation was based on me holding on to God, I would lose it. Amen. Because I slip and fall and get frustrated and, and, and everything just like anybody else. But God is holding on to us. So Jesus praying to God the Father said, I have lost none. I have kept them. All right. Let's look a little bit further in John 17. Look what Jesus says. Now, he's talking about those believers currently that were there with him. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So Jesus was praying about the believers that were there in that world at that time. He was praying for the believers who would come later. Um, so I, I don't pray for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through them, their word, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me have I given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Now, Jesus is praying to God the Father, and Jesus is saying, hey, we're one together. We're inseparable. So Jesus is literally prayer is praying, God, make the believers, make us all one just as me and you are. Now, if, if Jesus is praying that, you would, common sense would tell you, well, Jesus is not going to just drop us because he's praying that we would be one as one all together forever. I in them, verse 23 says, and thou in me, that thou may be, um, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved me, and has, excuse me, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. So, Jesus' prayer to the Father is that him and his believers would be just as united as he, Jesus, and God the Father are united. So, I mean, that, that, is, a, that is a prayer of security. This is in Jesus' supplication himself. That we can't be separated. He loves us that much. So we see in this in in Jesus' supplication. Uh, any questions before I move on to the next one? All right, given in an illustration. Now a lot of people have this as a go-to verse, and I think it's awesome. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. This word "know" is talking about an intimate knowledge. Just the same way as uh, we would know our spouse. I'm not talking about it in a, in a sexual way. I'm talking about it in an intimate, real, personal relationship. You know your secrets of your spouse. You know your fears. You know their joys. You know their past. You know their hopes for the future. And see, Nathan and Cameron, I, I pick on them. They're getting ready to tie the knot here in a little over two months. They know a lot about each other right now. But give it 15 years from now after they've been married. They'll know everything. Nathan will know what pushes Cameron's buttons, and Cameron will know what... And they may know that by now. I don't know yet. But... Um, They'll have more gray hair by then. Huh? Oh, heck yeah. They'll have more gray hair by then. And, uh, uh, but it's an intimate knowledge. It's not the, hey, I just know of somebody. Uh we know them on a first name basis, a personal intimate. So my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them 
eternal life. This verse right here, this one word, eternal life, it doesn't say temporary life. I give unto them eternal life, that they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. All right. I'm going to use my key illustration. Closest thing I got. The key represents us. And my hand represents God the Father. And what does it say? In verse 28. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So in a sense, when we get saved, we call up in God's hand. We call up in, in this case, Jesus' hand. Because it's him that's praying. He says, no man can pluck them out of my hand. Then verse 29, my father which gave them me. <clears throat> In other words, God sent me to them. And my father is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So when we get saved, we climb up into the father's hand. No man can pull them out of your hand. <clears throat> I heard an illustration years ago. He said, Satan himself cannot even get you out of God's hand. Because if Satan got up there and got in God's hand, Satan himself would be saved. Now, that is an awesome illustration. No man can pluck you out of God's hand. Well, somebody said, well, no man can, but I can lose it myself. No, you don't understand the eternal life. I've given them the eternal life. Now, our brains can't fathom this. We think of eternal life we just get when we die. Truly, we have eternal life the moment we get saved. We can't grasp it because this old body's still beating and the mind's still working. <clears throat> but literally, we are in God's hand. No man, no creature, and I'll show you that here in just a second, can make you lose your salvation. Not yourself, and in the next passage we'll see not even the demons of hell, not even the, the wicked rulers can make you. So could any man be considered like sin? And then, like, sin can't pluck you from God's hand because God covered us when he died for our sins. Yeah, no, no man, no sin, no person, nobody could cause you to sin or, or uh, seduce you to sin. No man, you just can't do it. Again, it's like we talked about the relationship last week, the relationship with God the Father. Like me and Austin, he can never cease to be my son. Even if I were to disown him or he to disown me, legally, I guess you can disown a child. It still does not change the fact that I am his biological father. Okay, so the relationship with God can never be broken once it's true and sincere. But the fellowship can. It's the same thing, you know, when I've heard it. And it's horrible when children have fight with parents and then they go 15 years without speaking. The relationship's still there the whole time. The fellowship is broken. So here, literally, we are one in God's hand, and nobody can pluck them out. We're secure. The fellowship is broken with the Lord. The so then when they die, will they go to heaven? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Because of the relationship. And that may be hard for you to understand since you grew up in yeah, that. Yeah, sure, sure. But not the man Well, I don't know he well, this is why I want to, uh, to, to bring out these truths. Yeah. It's hard to, somebody said, well, well, if your, relationship, if your fellowship is broken, uh, how could you go to heaven? 
It has nothing to do with your current status. It has to do with that you were once saved. All right, will you go to heaven? Yes, I believe that wholeheartedly or I wouldn't be sitting here. Will you have any rewards? No, you will lose your rewards because another day we'll look at rewards uh, that we will give back to, to Jesus. I have heard that Keith uh, Stem preached about rewards. You know, like crowns. Yeah, we'll crowns. get something where another person won't. Uh, yeah. They go live in that little, uh, <laughs> in that little college, and uh, they don't go live in a mansion. Because I don't want to look that part up. The rewards? About, about the crowns and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to those, ta- those CDs you gave them. Okay. And they got to talking about that, and I said, that doesn't ring a bell to me. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll teach yeah, about it sometimes. So. Maybe the R, maybe the R when we get to it will be rewards. How's that? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot to that. But um, there again, the relationship cannot change. The fellowship may, but the relationship won't. But when you were truly saved, you were younger, you were saved, you were happy in Christ, you had the joy inside of you. But when you wandered away like we all have done myself myself too you didn't have that joy did you no had, didn't have that peace did you no because I knew truly had, I was doing wrong that's right <laughs> but you know why you knew you was doing wrong because the Holy Spirit was inside yeah. of you and he was tugging at your heart strings that said hey uh-huh. you're doing wrong I've oftentimes said the meanest creature on face earth, the face of earth is a backslidden Christian because you know the truth but you're purposefully not living the truth. And it is miserable. I was saved at 13 and I walked with the Lord very close for the first few years but then I wandered for about a year maybe a year and a half and I was miserable. I was still going to church some because I, I, you grew up around here doing and it's what you were supposed to do. So you did it out of obligation, not out of desire. Well, by that time, I was old enough I could probably do my own thing. Oh. But I still went to church because it's the right thing to do. But I was miserable. Man, I didn't have that joy. I didn't have that peace. My fellowship was not where it needed to be. But my relationship was still there. So um, no man can pluck you out of God's hand. The third thing we see, not only in seeing in Jesus' supplication, but given as an illustration, we see in Paul's proclamation. Uh, Romans 8, y'all know this is my favorite chapter of Scripture. Now, I've used this out of the New American Standard translation. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Because we have this tribulation, because we have troubles, because we have persecution, because we have famine... Does it mean that God doesn't love us no more? No. He still loves us just the same. I, wanted, I really wanted to preach, start preaching some end times um, prophecy this morning. And I worked on it a lot. To be able to understand real prophecy of the future, you've got to understand it of the past a little bit. So I was going back to the book of Daniel this morning. I didn't text you. I send you my notes. I don't know if you got them. Yeah, I do. Okay. I was going to say, if you didn't, no big deal because it's all at the same passion. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't text you. I just thought about that. Yeah, yeah. But I was looking at Daniel all day yesterday and some during the week. And I wanted to go there, but I just I just don't feel that like I'm completely ready, loaded loaded for bear in my gun. So we're looking at something a little bit different this morning. But um, 
One thing that I've got in my mind is we are Americans and we're spoiled. Let's just be honest. We're really spoiled. We've never had the persecution that they've had overseas. We we think we think subconsciously I think a lot of people think God just owes America a favor. America is not God's chosen people. That's the Jews. Um, but they have suffered persecution. And one of the things over in Afghanistan, I don't know if y'all have seen it. I, I, I don't like Facebook, but you do kind of keep up with some news and stuff on Facebook, you know, in the area, people and stuff like this. But they said, you know, I don't know if y'all saw it, but a lot of the believers in, in Afghanistan were being tied up in plastic bags and suffocated. I saw it several times. That's persecution. But does that mean God doesn't love us? No. Look at the disciples. Just about every one of the disciples died a martyr's death. They died for the name of Christ. We take our life, if we're not careful, we're selfish with our life. But we can't keep our life regardless. We're going to die. Nobody wants to talk about it. But the inevitable, we're all going to die at some point. Uh, some early age, some later age. But... What Paul says is, can anything separate us from the love of Christ? No, it can't. Verse 36, just as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we, are, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. I am, excuse me, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, that's the good angels right there, that's the good guys, nor principalities, that could be the demonic realm, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Um, that's not human powers, that's spiritual powers. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is that true love? For God so loved the world, he gave us his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's talk about true salvation. When we're truly saved, we're God's child, and nothing can take away that relationship. And just because we may go through something um, in this life, persecution, famine, perils, sword, tribulation, we're still one in Christ. Um, one in Christ. And, and really quick, I want to get this last one done. Is not only do we see it in Jesus' supplication, we see it given in an illustration, we see it in Paul's proclamation. And lastly, we see it in a realization of our meditation. Preacher Hawks told me this years ago, and actually Alan had told me a few years before that. This is good. Look at Matthew 7, 21, a verse we'll probably use this morning. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. There's judgment. We talk about those rewards. All right, the rewards we will receive during the good judgment, the one that we will be at, the one we want to be at, is at the judgment seat of Christ. There's another one coming called the great white throne judgment. It'll be too late by then. So at that great white throne judgment, if I take this literally, which you have to, many will stand before God and say, Lord, Lord. In other words, I called you, Lord. I've done some things for you. We'll see that here in a second. He said, you called me that, but you didn't do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 22, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In thy name we've cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. They're literally, they're talking about their human accomplishments. I've preached for you. That's kind of what the word prophesy means. 
I've cast out demons in thy name. I've done a lot of works. But then while I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, at the great white throne judgment, people will say, Lord, I did this for you. I did this for you. I did for this. You need to let me into heaven. Jesus says, I never knew you. All right? God can't lie. So, in that, if they've done all that, and is it that they've done that? Because, you know, you can be evil and still um, do things. And, and uh, even a pastor, you can go and listen to a pastor, and he's doing all this stuff, but he's still helping other people. But, I mean, he's done wrong. That person done wrong. Yeah, right? there's, there's a lot of wicked people that can do good things. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there, there's wicked people that can do good things. And they can bring people to Christ, and they do good things, right? They can, sure, but it's not in their name. The well, Lord. No, I've, I've said this before. I've said this before. God can take a crooked stick and draw a straight line. He, can, God, can do anything He wants to because He's God. Yeah. Um, we will see a little bit when we study prophecy. God uses Satan Himself to accomplish His will. So there'll be people who did stuff in the name of Christ, and that Holy Spirit may have worked through that person. He may have used the action of that person to draw somebody. No, they were not saved. Because look what he said in verse 23. I won't profess to them, I never knew you. Mm -hmm. Lord, I never knew you. God cannot lie. And I've got proof to that. Titus 1.1. Paul, a servant of God and of the apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Look at verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God cannot lie. If he lied, he wouldn't be God because he's completely holy. So what did Jesus say? I never knew you. If a person could be saved and lose their salvation, God cannot tell them, I never knew you. He would have to say, I no longer know you. Or I used to know you. But he proclaims, I never knew you to begin with. And that goes back to what I've been preaching on for a while and we'll finish up today. Is Like I've been saying, there's a lot of people, I believe truly, who have had an experience or had an emotion or a warm, warm, fuzzy feeling that they're basing their walk with God on. But they have bought into a counterfeit religion that they're not truly saved. That's the people who say, oh, yeah, man, I know I'm right with God. One of the, um, I'll use this as an illustration more close because that was the second bail. I was in advanced auto not long ago picking up a car part, which I tend to do quite often. And I was in there with uh, a couple of the guys that I knew because I always deal with the one on Piney Forest. I've known them guys forever, but most of them are retiring now, sadly. But I was in there, man, and this one old guy come in, man, he had one of the filthiest mouths I have heard in years, man. And, man, just the GD and the F, and it it was bad, man. I hate to go for those. I'd rather somebody slap me and hear that. And uh, anyway, man, this guy just had a filthy mouth, man. And I walked out of the store. One guy was helping him down the aisle on one of the other registers while I was up here at the front. And we, he walked out right in front of me, and I walked out right behind him. And, man, I thought, man, this dude, I wish he knew the truth. And I had one track in my car. 
I said, I'm going to give this guy at least a gospel track. And I, went, I said, hey, man, I said, let me share something with you today. And I handed him a gospel track. And this guy's like, this guy's like, oh, man, I'm good, man. I, I know everything I need to know there. I, I know God. I'm sitting here thinking, man, if you knew God, truly knew God. Now, I'm not saying the man won't save. I don't know, but he won't live in it that day. <laughs> I truly, for somebody to be that bad, I mean, this guy was rough. I'm sitting there thinking, chances are you, you really don't know God. Uh, and I say a Christian can't lose their temper and go off and have a hissy fit and cuss and act like a monkey. Because that can happen. But still, more than likely, though, if it does, it ain't going to be long and you're going to feel guilty and you want to get that thing right. <laughs> so that's why I say a lot of people, man, have come up with every type of excuse or belief. Hey, I know I'm right with God because of this. And they will proclaim to know God with their words. They'll profess him, but don't possess him. So it all goes back, is, is, is are they truly, genuinely, sincerely saved to begin with? Because if you're a person who's truly saved, you're not going to want to live a, a wicked lifestyle. You're going to want to live close to him. But next week, I will look at that passage, um, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. We'll look at that next week and how people take it out of context. And there's some other passages too. One, I'll give you a sneak preview and we'll be done. In, in Revelation, it talks about those who endured the end shall be saved. See, people are like, see, well, I've got to just endure. I can't mess up. i got to hold on so I'll be spiritually saved. It don't have nothing to do with spiritual salvation. It has something to do with physical salvation. So Hebrews 6, verse 4 through 6. And we'll look at that next week. All right, Nate Dog.